one of the things that we love about Christmas as believers is the praise to Christ that r- rings throughout, um, throughout our, our, our culture, throughout our neighborhoods, throughout our homes, uh, the radio stations, um, even the ones that sometimes you don't want your kids to listen to. They sing Christmas songs right now. It's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it, the praise to Christ that is given during the Christmas season. It's, it's one of the most marvelous things that, that I think we observe during the Christmas season. And when you ask people, what do you love about Christmas time? What do you love about uh, Christmas? One of the things that they will say is the singing, is the praise. And for many, next week, the next two weeks, by the next three weeks, the praises will stop. The songs of Christ and the songs of the birth, they will be put away. The, the decorations that, um, that portray the Son of God becoming flesh, born of the Virgin to come and to save man, those decorations and those special things will be put back in their boxes for another 11 months, maybe nine months for some of you. Um, but in reality, we know that this is a, a, a very short time that we see this kind of focused praise on Jesus Christ. What I want to encourage you this morning is, is that if you're a believer, Christmas doesn't stop. Amen? If you're a believer, we understand that the world would, 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 would celebrate with us and, and that for them that would be this portion of time and there's so many other things but but we, we rejoice that Christ is being praised and that he's being spoken of and that he's being remembered and and we pray that during this time that that people would take to heart the meaning of Christmas and come to know Jesus Christ and many will but for us who know him who are believers the, the praise doesn't stop and so I, I want to focus on that a, a little bit this morning and think about the praise that we see that is given to Christ, um, not just on that first Christmas morning, we, we looked at that, but what we see in an event that happens 40 days after, 40 days after. And, and so you, you can see this in Luke chapter 2, right after the, the famous um, telling of Christmas that, that often families will read together, beginning in verse 22, we see the events that happened uh, right after Christmas. The first of which is that uh, they came and they, they brought Jesus. At, well, verse 21 begins, after eight days he was circumcised. His name was formally given as Jesus, the name that the angels had given to him. After 40 days, according to Jewish tradition, they came for purification and to dedicate the first male child unto the Lord. And, and so his parents are obedient. And they bring Jesus to the temple. And when Jesus gets to the temple, that's where we begin to see uh, this praise. And it comes from an old man and an old woman. Um, now, when, when I remember when I had little kids, it seems like forever ago now, but we did have little kids. Um, and we got a lot of comments about our little kids because we had six children in seven years. That's right. <laughs> and so we got a lot of comments. Uh, are they all yours? Like most of the comments were, were pretty snarky. And if you know my wife, she had some pretty good comebacks. Um, 
but, uh, but we, we always would hear all kinds of, of comments about our kids because it was, it was very obvious. Now, <laughs> the funny part is I used to think, why do people always say something about my kids? Um, well, number one, we like drove up in a prison van so they could all fit in it. And, <laughs> and then we'd get out, you know, and, and everybody hold hands. Like, we're, it's like herding cats to go anywhere. And so I used to always be like, why are they always commenting about my kids? And um, the other day we were out and there was a large family. I'm like, oh my goodness, look at all those kids. And Krista looks at me and she goes, there's five of them. We had six. <laughs> so I guess I get it now. But, but, but imagine this. Um, Mary and Joseph take Jesus um, to the temple. And, and you have to remember that outside of Christ's birth, no one really knew what was going on. Very few understand the miracle. Most, most likely, more doubted the miracles surrounding Christ and the testimony of Mary and Joseph than believed them. And so the angel, if you think about the record, the angel had come to, to Mary, had come to Joseph, had said what was happening. She became pregnant. She was pregnant with child. She, then, the, 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 we talked about this last week, God used even the, the wicked ruler of the land, to bring them to Bethlehem at the right place, at the right time, that Jesus could be born. Nobody knows that this is the Son of God, the Messiah is in the womb of Mary, because they're, they're trying to find a place that they can stay so that she can give birth. Like, the water's broken, the baby's coming, and they can't even find a place that they can give birth to the Savior. So it's, it's pretty obvious when we read that, that no one really knows what's going on. And then it's very interesting, we looked at this last week, that shepherds come down, and, or, or angels come down, and, and one at first reveals to a group of shepherds what is happening nearby in Bethlehem, and then a whole army of shepherds, or of angels, I keep mixing those up, a whole army of angels comes down singing glory to God, and the shepherds just take off, and so here's Mary and Joseph, they just had the baby, no one else is around them, and these shepherds come. And, and begin to marvel at the baby. But no one else is there. The Magi aren't coming for a while. I know we've got that timeline all mixed up in our, in our minds because at home, your little nativity set has baby Jesus in the cradle with the Magi. The, the, the right way to do that is to take the Magi and put them over on the other side of the house at that point. Um, because they aren't there yet. Nobody's really recognized or, or known or understood. And so here's Mary and Joseph being faithful to God. And they take baby Jesus and he is um, dedicated. His, his name is given as the angel has said. And they take him to the temple and here comes what seems to be this crazy old man. <laughs> right? And, and the reality of it is, is that we read about him. God has revealed to him that before he passes, he will see the Messiah. This is a man who loved God and who awaited at the temple and awaited for the day that, that God would reveal to him that the Messiah had come. And here, in this 40-day-old child, he sees the Messiah. And you see this genuine praise. I want us to first look at verses 20 through 26 through 30. And see a, a genuine praise, that genuine praise is a response to seeing Christ. Verses 26 through 30. 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came into the Spirit, into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do to, with him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, I, I mean, can just imagine the scenario. Again, they're bringing him in, and here comes this old man that rushes up, grabs the baby, <laughs> and begins to praise that he has seen salvation. He can now depart and go home because he, the promise of the Lord has come to him. You know, the reality of it is, is that praise is a response of people who have seen Christ, who have genuinely seen Christ. Christ, genuine praise, flows out of a heart of genuine understanding. Lots of people will sing Christmas songs this season. Lots of people will sing the great and wonderful Christmas carols. There is so much theology in the Christmas carols. One year I want to do a sermon series just on the theology of the Christmas carols. They are so rich. Some of my favorites are, are, are Good Christian Men Rejoice, um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's not Mark and Herald the Angels Sing. I used to think that. It's, it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You, you look at those verses and see just the richness that's there. And as believers, we should come to times of, of praising God and, and, and times of worship and times of singing. And, and it, it should just be an explosion of our hearts. One great quote that I heard is, show me how a church sings and I'll show you how much they love Jesus. I still remember when I was in seminary, um, I don't remember who it was, but all of the professors a lot of times would sit up at the front and then the students would be at the back and... Um, Someone came and spoke at, at Seminary Chapel at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, you know, very prestigious invitation to come and speak. And um, I, I still wish I remember who he scolded the professors. He scolded them. He said, how can you, men of God, who have treasured up and know the scriptures so well and can teach it, in such great ways and have been given such a responsibility to teach the scriptures, how can you sit here with a dreary face while your students sing with their hearts? You could have heard a pin drop in that room. But there's a truth, isn't there? The more that we know the Lord, singing to the Lord isn't about your ability. Singing to the Lord is about What's inside coming out? And so I want to encourage you this Christmas as we think about this, that if you love the Lord, praise the Lord. It shouldn't be embarrassing. I mean, here's, a, here's an old man that runs up and grabs somebody's new baby. <laughs> because he has to praise the Lord. So we see that. Genuine praise is a response to seeing Christ. And of course, he saw Christ. We, we know this from what he says, that he knew who this baby was. He, he knew that, as John 1, 1 says, in the, word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him 
was not anything made that was made. And then verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Of course, he realized that he was his salvation, that this was the, the very lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, as Revelation 13, 8 says. Or as First Peter 1, 18 through 20 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. This old man, Simeon, he knew these things. He, he understood and he looked forward to and he hoped for the Messiah. He called him the Lord's salvation. The Lord's salvation, and, and, and truly he is. Jesus is the only way to salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus says this of himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, the testimony of the apostles after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they begin to preach the gospel and they're arrested and they're threatened for it. This is what they say under threat of penalty of death. Salvation is in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men which by we must be saved. When you understand those truths, you want to shout. You, you want to sing, you want to engage in worship, and when you see uh, songs that have great depth and, and great truth and, and exalt the Lord, your heart flows and, and bubbles up into song. God has made us to do that. What a wonderful thing that that is. We see here praise is not just in seeing Christ, but genuine praise is also in understanding Christ. You see, Simeon understood the importance of Jesus. He understood that this was not just a prophet. He understood that this was not just um, an important individual that God was bringing, but this was his Messiah, and that, that his Messiah would bring salvation and blessing and fulfillment to all. Look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. He got it, didn't he? You know, we've been reading through Acts, working through Acts on Sunday mornings before Christmas came. And one of the big struggles that we've been seeing through Acts as we've uh, now in the kind of the middle section of it is we saw that even the disciples after Jesus came and taught and was resurrected, the disciples still, the church, the early church still didn't get exactly that Jesus was for salvation for all of the peoples, did they? And yet here, Simeon holding 40-day-old Jesus because he was a man who loved God and was a man who was led by the Holy Spirit, 
A man who searched the scriptures, that knew of the Messiah, that knew of the promises of the Messiah, that knew of all of the Old Testament promises, all the way back to the promise that, that came to Abraham, that, that he would be a, a, a blessing among everyone, all the nations. As he holds this child, he sees and he knows that this is the fulfillment, that he will be a light, that he will be salvation to all. The more that we understand Christ, the more that we seek to know the Scriptures, the more that we experience Christ's love in our life, the more that we abide through Christ through difficult times, the more understanding, not just knowledge, but understanding that we have of Christ, the more it should lead to praise. Amen? Do you have something to praise Christ about? His faithfulness, His goodness. As we understand Christ, we praise Christ. And then last, praise is a response to trusting Christ. Look at verse 34. Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, a sword will pierce through his own soul also. So that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, nobody ever came to me and said any of this about my kid. (laughs) Your child's also going to cause a lot of people to stumble. And he will face the sword. (laughs) Uh, Poor Mary and Joseph. (laughs) Right? They brought Jesus to dedicate him, and this is what they're hearing. But again, Simeon understood, and, and, and he trusted in this small child and what he was going to do. I don't have a whole lot of time. This is actually quite beautiful. Let me, let me just quickly bring this out because we read over it and we don't think about it. First of all, there, there, there's three word pictures almost that you get that, that Simeon talks about here as he sees Christ, as he, as he talks about these and he, and he kind of cobbles together a bunch of different prophecies that have been about the Christ as he's looking at him and these things come to mind. He, he talks about a stone and a sign and a sword. There's a stone, and there's a sign, and there's a sword. Now, he doesn't directly say a stone, but he says that he is going to, uh, he's going, people are going to fall and rise over him. They are going to stumble over him, which throughout the Old Testament, we know that uh, according to the Messiah that would come, and in the New Testament, this is quoted as well, first of all, that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, and yet he has become the chief cornerstone. And not only is he the stone that they have rejected, but Isaiah 8 says this, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many stumbled over him. You read through the gospel accounts and you look at the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees, the high priests, the leaders of God's people during that day, the ones who knew the scriptures, they knew, but they didn't understand. You see, Simeon, this old man here at the temple, he understood. And yet Jesus was the stone that many tripped over because of their own self-righteousness, because of their own self-love. They missed the Savior that was before him. He talks about him as a sign, um, that, that, that he will be a, a sign. Behold, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many. And a sign that is opposed, a sign is, a, is another word that we could use for miracle. And Jesus was the miracle man. And there were many signs that Jesus gave that yet they still 
refused to believe. The very birth of Jesus, we read about later that they accuse him of being an illegitimate son. Um, his miracles were ridiculed. In fact, at some point, the Pharisees saw the miracles of Jesus and they attributed the miracles of Jesus to Satan. His character was called into question. This man eats and drinks with tax collectors. They mocked him as he died. Right? They beat him and they spit on him. Tell me, who hit you? Who was it? They lied about his resurrection and even today, men question Jesus and doubt the miraculous nature. Then he also spoke about a sword and of course... I can't imagine the pain to his mother that this would have brought. But the reality of it is, is that Jesus Christ came for a purpose to be on the cross. It was not by accident that Jesus found himself. It wasn't by bad circumstances or a bad turn of luck that Jesus found himself on Calvary some 30 years later. No, Jesus came into the world. This baby, God in flesh, came that he might be the second Adam, that he might redeem, that he might live as an example, and he might die as an atonement, that our sins could be forgiven by him. All of this is seen, all of these things are, are things that are brought on and that we understand by faith. Do you see that? By faith, do you trust that God is the cornerstone upon which the new covenant is brought, upon which the new covenant is established, upon which your salvation is true. That's a, that's a faith that we have. Do you believe in the miracles of God, the miracles of Christ, that they are true? That he was born of a virgin, that he lived without sin, that he died and he rose again? That's a stumbling block to many. It has been. But the Bible makes very clear that those things are true and that those things must be. We've talked about many times the fact that Christ is born of a virgin, it has to be so that he can die without sin. He can die without inheriting the guilt of the Father, going all the way back to Adam. These things are not just optional for belief, they are essential to belief. And do you believe that that sword that pierced Christ do you believe that his death made for you the great exchange? 1 Corinthians 1.21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When Christ was born, heaven was excited. Heaven got excited and the shepherds got excited. And then it was quiet. And then he goes to the temple and we see this great excitement again, these great promises. We don't have time to look at, at, at Anna as well, but there's another woman to whom there is, and she praises uh, this baby Christ. The question is, is that is your praise to Christ motivated in the same way? Is Christmas only a month for you, a few weeks for you? Or does Christ live in your heart all year long? Does the praise of Christ resound from your mouth and in your heart? all year long let me challenge you with this as we as we close don't hold back your praise if you know christ if you've been genuinely saved by him don't hold back your praise 
Don't be afraid to sing. Look at the words and get moved. Don't hold back your praise to Christ. He is worthy of all the praise that we have given to Him. If He has worked in your life, if He's worked in your heart, then, then sing for joy. Sing with your, all of your heart those great words that, that you're led through. And if you don't know Christ, this Christmas, would you come to trust Him? I pray that He would be revealed, that in the midst of your Christmas celebration, in the midst of hearing of Christ and singing of Christ, that, that maybe even just the songs of Christ, some of those great old hymns that I spoke of, the great carols, you begin to think about the theology in them and the need to trust in Christ and would do so. He is worthy of our praise, isn't He? He is worthy, for in Him and in Him alone is salvation. And that's what Christmas time is.